Guitar. Name? John Densmore. stop right there good evening and welcome to the dr zeus podcast dr zeus film podcast i almost lost my train of thought because i want to say is everybody in is everybody in the ceremony is about to begin wake up so who famously said that jim morrison of the doors tomorrow december 8th is jim morrison's birthday now it's a weird day because what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna split the episodes up so so december 8th you're gonna get a john lennon documentary because 40 years ago he was murdered and then the next day will observe Jim's birthday, even though his birthday is December 8th, 1943. Jim Morrison died in July of 1971, almost 50 years ago. And 40, almost 40 years later, an amazing documentary narrated by Johnny Depp. Doesn't get any better than that. About an American original, you know, in the 60s. And I wasn't alive in the 60s. So remember, I had to do a lot of studying for this moment. In the 60s, you had the the Stones and the Beatles. And in the middle, you had the Doors. The Doors were not singing about flower power. The Doors were not singing about what it means to be a hippie. The Doors were singing about some dark ass shit. They were singing about life. They were singing about Oedipal Complex. Oh, show me the way to the last whiskey bar. James Douglas Morrison, Raymond Manzarek, Manzarek, John Densmore, Robbie Krieger. I mean, they're at the beginning of tonight's episode introducing themselves. And when they get to Jim Morrison, he says occupation and he just smiles and goes um yeah because he doesn't want to be defined you know there's so many memorable moments of the doors this is personal for me because when here's i was not alive in the 60s i wasn't even a thought okay but when you come of age and then you hear the doors for the first time it's, it's quite an eye-opener. It's Pandora's box on fire. The first time you hear strange days, light my fire, break on through to the other side, the end, when the music's over, turn out the light. And I got a good sign today. I was driving and I heard uh, a, a song from The Doors' first album. And I thought, okay, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, this amazing documentary release in 2010. At that moment, three of the doors were still alive. John Densmore, Robbie Krieger, and Ray Manzarek. 
and sadly Ray Manzarek died um, of uh, cancer, leukemia. Or was it bone marrow cancer? I don't remember. You know, and many would suspect that Jim Morrison was the front man. Yes, he was, but he, that he was the leader of the Doors, the the man who really had the idea for the Doors in terms of the, playing the bass and the piano on one instrument, the organ bass, was of course Ray Manzarek. Ray Manzarek doesn't now he gets the credit, but people are oh it's Jim Morrison's band. No, 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 the Doors were the doors they were four equal parts of a table take one off and boom you don't have the doors they were all intellectuals they got their name from uh you know huxley if the doors of perception are cleansed everything will appear to man as it is infinite infinite okay huh this documentary was a long time in the making Music documentaries. And here we go. One hour, 25 minutes, rated NR. When your strange uncovers historic and previously unseen footage of the illustrious rock quartet and provides him him do it. to the revolutionary impact of its music and legacy. Directed by award-winning writer-director Tom DiCillo and narrated by Johnny Depp. Tom Cicillo, Tom Cicillo, the director, the wrangler of all of this footage. A lot of this is unseen footage of the doors. This is told by the doors. From what I read, the the surviving doors, even though I think two of them appear in Oliver Stone's movie, hated the movie. And as a Doors fan, out of curiosity, I remember watching the movie, and the movie was a piece of shit. It was a piece of shit. I am a big... I loved watching, um, you know, uh, what's-his-face play um, Doc Holliday. Val Kilmer play Doc Holliday. That's brilliant. Val Kilmer playing Jim Morrison is just absurd. And it was absurd. The guys who played the doors were actually better. Val Kilmer just took it to a place that was like, this isn't even true. And the remaining doors basically hated the movie. Um, one of Jim Morrison's girlfriends who played a witch in the movie, and she's a witch in real life, condemned the movie. Okay? And so here we are, years later, 20 years later, and the doors are like, we're going to make our own film. It's going to be on our terms. We're going to show Jim in a positive light. And yes, Jim, Jim Morrison had a lot of problems. A lot of it was drugs and alcohol, probably a lot of mental issues going on. I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose him. But what we have, you know, in terms of the music, you know, um, you got to think of what what the doors really gave us. Okay. Um, you know. Ray Manzarek once described the love generation. He says how the end basically is lost in a Roman wilderness of pain and all the children are insane waiting for a sum- the summer rain. And Ray Manzarek says, what a way to describe the love generation. And because they weren't playing to the hippies, they were looking at what the hippies were doing and thinking, this is madness. 
and you know wanted to document that musically okay there's so much going on in this documentary it is amazing it is on fire i am gonna play some highlights from when you're strange the story of the doors tom chichillo Don Ch- Tom Chichilla, <laughs> yeah. Um, Rhino Entertainment. In fact, it won a Grammy Award for Best Long Form Video. Here we go. <laughs> is a film that Jim Morrison did called the I think it's called The Hitchhiker where he's just hitchhiking and this is how the story is told. You got to understand the doors. That's a primal energy right there. And we're going to tell it. Yeah. We can't play the music though. Because it's copyrighted. And I respect the doors. I love the doors. So this is this is personal for me and I know it's personal for a lot of you who love their music and there's so much to be said about this band here it is in the nick of time so jim morrison drawing energy from his band he did a lot of things deliberately wearing that that conch belt the leather pants to accentuate his crotch oh yeah we did our homework how john densmore was a jazz drummer Robbie Krieger was a flamenco guitarist. Also played sitar. You know, he had those magical fingers. Didn't use a pick. Used his fingernails. And then, of course, Jim Morrison singing in this crooning style. 
used wanted to use the same microphone as Frank Sinatra. That's that's saying something right there. That was one of his favorite singers, not just Bo Diddley. And of course, Ray Manzarek, who on stage did the piano and the bass parts. Now they had a bass player in the studio with them, and at one point when they were recording LA Woman, they had Elvis's bass player in the studio with them with Bruce Botnick because at that point their producer left. He was just um and I'm talking about um Rothschild Paul Rothschild. Paul Rothschild, who do, who produced all of the Doors albums except the final one. He said, Bruce Botnick, you're on your own. Morrison was getting too much for him. What this documentary highlights is the subtleties. It, it begins with the death. You have the radio announcer, who originally was a radio announcer in the 60s. You know, announcing the the death of Jim Morrison and and the secrecy. You know, fifty years later, there's a lot of secrecy. Is it part of rock mythology that he dies in the bathtub, died of a heart attack, supposedly, is buried in France? Okay, um, has almost been evicted because. People have done so much damage to the site where he is buried. There's so much mythology mythology to the doors. And yeah. It's 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 a moment. It's a moment. And the doors tried to continue and it just didn't work. It didn't work. The last thing I think they did was to put music to Morrison's uh, American Prayer poetry album. And after that, you know, and then they tried to tour and, it, and with other singers. And it, they were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1993. Yeah. Mm. Oh my. This documentary is It Gets Under Your Skin. Ah, I was looking for him. Jim Ladd. Is he still with us? Yes, he is. Okay. (sighs) So Jim Ladd was a radio guy in the 60s. I think it was the the diamond mine or something that he had. He is the announcer in the documentary who announces the death under very mysterious circumstances of Jim, uh, you know, of that death. Um, yeah, the Doors music. It's all over the movie, and that's why we can't play certain clips, is because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get fined. What does this documentary mean to me? What does it mean to you? That is the promise that I give to the listeners of the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. 
What do the doors mean to me? They probably mean to me what they do to you. Okay. The doors music is magical. It truly is. The Beatles, that's okay. Your parents sing the Beatles to you and the Stones, although some of those Stone songs, I don't know. I can't picture being five and listening to let's spend the night together. It's not happening. I, I'd be like, what? Um, and then you become a teenager and you discover the doors, not just those black light posters at Spencer's. Remember those? The posters of Jim Morrison. I mean, I think that's what gets people is what when you see those posters and you're like, oh, Lizard King. Even the Simpsons poked fun at the Lizard King. There was an episode um, where they go to Duff Gardens and it's almost like um, it's a small world. Where is this going? I'll show you. And Bart dares Lisa to drink the water. It's kind of sludgy, probably filled with booze and hallucinogens. And Lisa drinks the water and has a trip. And they find her and they're like, we found this one swimming naked in the fermentarium. I am the lizard queen. Yeah. And it was like, oh, that's like the doors, you know, because the Chateau Marmont Jim Morrison used to get really drunk and climb on the roof, almost falling, and scream that he was the Lizard King. That's not in the documentary, but it's a tidbit for you. This documentary has so many moments. I am often left speechless by the doors. There's something special about this band. If you don't think so, then go find another band. Yes, the music is the 60s. Is it dated? Depends on who's listening to it. It doesn't sound dated to me. Maybe maybe I am biased because I hear things in those songs now and they resonate. Okay. Break on through to the other side. That resonates. You know, get out of your shell. And... You know, light my fire. I mean, you think about that. 1967, everyone's singing All You Need Is Love. And the doors are like, light my fire, honey. It's, a, it's love, but it's a different kind of love, okay? And if we can find... There's so many... This documentary, it's... It, first of all, it is painful. You, you watch the descent and you watch the decline... Jim Morrison, just as if he doesn't care anymore, wants to be a poet, you know, and gets his wish. Let me see. Ah, no, 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 we can't play the music. Isn't that it? I, in a perfect world, we could, you know, we could play the music. Um, oh, here we go. Like this? I mean, is this progress or uh, are we decaying in a way? We have taken out two warrants for Jim Morrison. One of them is for indecent exposure. The other is for the use of obscene languages uh, during his performance at uh, Dinner Key Saturday night. We have been delayed on issuing these warrants because we were waiting, hoping to get pictures that were taken during the performance. Jim's hit with one felony and three misdemeanors, but it's the 
felony charge that is the most disturbing. It claims that Jim did lewdly and lasciviously expose his penis, place his hands upon his penis, shake it, and did simulate the acts of masturbation upon himself and oral copulation upon another. Although many pictures were taken during the concert, none show Morrison exposing himself. But for proof of oral copulation, the prosecution offers this photo as evidence. The charges take the doors by surprise. Over a hundred cops had been at the concert. None had attempted to stop Morrison. To John, the only thing they were guilty of was a lousy show. Yeah, and so you have this religious right. It's in Florida. Hello. <sighs> Trying to bring the doors down. And they can't tour now. They can't tour. And you can't, as a band, if you can't tour, what what the fuck are you going to do? You know. Um. Soft Parade takes 11 months to record. This is partly due to Rothschild's insistence on perfection. He makes the band do hundreds of takes. Paul Rothschild was a perfectionist. A perfectionist. Uh -huh. A lot's been said. The doors. Here we go. What I'm what I'm looking for is is that we do need clips of the documentary in this performance for tonight. Is it a performance? Well, let's see. A documentary such as this, you think of the 60s. Now, I wasn't there, but those of you who were there have told me that was a time. There was a lot going on. And what I wanted to capture with this documentary is to talk about these things. This is from, I think, the hitchhiker, Jim Morrison. It's in the film. Him in a, you know, Mustang. Any evidence of drug overdose, but a cloud of mystery hangs over Morrison's death. Some claim he's still alive and that his death was just a hoax, perhaps planned by Morrison himself. Numerous sightings of the singer have already been reported. The mood I get from most of it is kind of a heavy, kind of a... Sort of gloomy feeling, you know, like of someone not quite at home, or you know, or not quite, not quite relaxed, and you know, aware of a lot of things, but not quite sure about anything. 
So that's before the music started. Now, what's in the movie? What's in this documentary? The songs. That's why we can't play all of the documentary. And there should be the songs. There should be the music. That's what gives the doors their kick. We're not just here for the image. We're not just here because they gave you a cookie at the show. A special kind of cookie. We're here for the albums. 1967's eponymous The Doors, The Doors. 1967's Strange Days. 1968's Waiting for the Sun. 1969's The Soft Parade. 1970's Morrison Hotel. And the final album with Jim Morrison, L.A. Woman. Each album is different. Each album has some favorites. And the documentary plays them. From Break On Through to the Other Side, Soul Kitchen, The Crystal Ship, 20th Century Fox, Alabama Song, Whiskey Bar, Light My Fire, Backdoor Man, I Looked At You. That was the song I heard today. End of the Night, Take It As It Comes, The End. That whole, I mean, that first album, the whole album is one big hit, you know. And then as the doors went on, it got messy. It got messy because of things that were going on on and off stage. But also the obscenity rules of or laws of the day, which no longer exists. Now, now it's a different thing. You know, as we talked about in the Madonna podcast of Truth or Dare, where she almost is arrested, where she's going to be arrested for masturbating on stage. And here is the 1960s, and Jim Morrison is accused of masturbating on stage, but there's no evidence. And what they have is a picture of Jim Morrison on his knees trying to fillet the guitar. Now, it's known as guitar fellatio. David Bowie did it. Where you, you, you're mocking it. You're mocking the, obsen- uh, the supposed obscenity on stage, okay? It's part of theatrics, part of the performance, and so that that almost crushed the doors right there. This documentary is important. If you're a Doors fan, watch the documentary. Also watch the classic albums. Um, the three remaining Doors go in depth of that that album. I mean, it's a truly amazing. Uh, when you're strange, released in 2010 at 125 minutes, won the Grammy Award for. Long-form video, which usually goes to documentary films, not music videos. Get it right. Mm. So tomorrow, uh, December 8th, would have been Jim Douglas Morrison's birthday. James Douglas Morrison. Yeah. May he rest. Well, I don't think he's resting. You know, but he is gone in the flesh. A Sagittarius. I mean, even John Densmore. John Densmore is a is a December baby. You know, um, Ray Manzarek was a February baby. The Doors, though, at the heart of it, you know, they got in trouble because at the beginning of of the the band, they were going to be on you know Ed Sullivan, and so they say you know you can't say higher. And the guy's like, why don't you just change the words? Higher, wire. 
and they're like oh, okay and they lie and they get on stage and they said higher and they and the gentleman says you will never play ed sullivan again you would have been up for five other appearances and jim morrison just looks at him and says hey man we just did ed sullivan they only wanted to do it once that's the only kick they needed it was funny because they're doing light my fire and they're surrounded by doors in the background for the doors they even did dick clark american bandstand uh but they lip-synced crystal ship and light my fire they did the smothers brothers where they did touch me and jim's got that gold microphone and then we come to the 1970s Morrison Hotel. Morrison Hotel is such a bluesy album. And what what's going on is, you know, we often talk about how you are that people revert back. So the doors are reverting back to what they originally were was a blues Band. And so the last two albums, Morrison Hotel is bluesy. Then we get to LA Woman. Oh my God. And this is where Bruce Botnick comes in because Paul Rothschild is having a moment and leaves. So Bruce Botnick and the Doors finish the album. It was the last album to ever be released in Jim Morrison's lifetime. And L.A. Woman, Writers on the Storm, which is such a telling song, such a magical song. You know, as I've said at the beginning of this podcast, there is magic in the Doors music. It can be any kind of magic that you want it to be. But you got to remember, these are four intellectuals doing an album. Okay. Um, Now, I want to highlight something. That isn't often talked about with the doors. Yes, Ray Manzarek in concert would play the bass on the on the organ. You know, he'd do the keys and then he would do the bass. Okay. So who was in who was in there to place, you know, fill the bottom? Because you do need on record you need a bass, you know. Okay. It says keyboard bass. Mm, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. So we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. This documentary provides your attention through Johnny Depp's narration of probably one of the most inter- interesting, iconic, electric bands of all time yes the beatles yes the stones yes cream led zeppelin but nobody oh nobody can ever touch what the doors did musically you think about it nobody think of break on through think of light my fire think of how those songs the end nobody did a song like the end okay we all know, you know, they played at the Whiskey A Go-Go and the London Fog in Los Angeles. They did the Whiskey A Go-Go and almost got kicked out because Jim Morrison went into the Oedipus Complex part of the end. 
And, you know, those famous words, father, yes, son. Yeah. If you've never heard the end by the doors, listen to it. It is the Oedipus complex. It's it's Rome. It's, you know, Greek tragedy all wrapped up into one. It's Shakespearean. That is that Jim Morrison was not a dummy. Okay. I mean, he did. He treated his body like a dummy in terms of the abuse that he did to it through drugs and through alcohol, not taking care of himself. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the music. We're here to talk about this documentary, this document, this portrait of this four piece band. There's no real superstar in the doors. People may think it's Jim Morrison, but the doors don't exist without the doors. The doors of perception. These were film students that came together to make a band. I don't think they had any idea how impactful this band would be. How the music still continues to touch myself and millions of others all around the world. Okay? We know those songs. These are not songs that you sing at a family picnic, okay? You don't sit with the kids and sing, you know, Light My Fire or Soul Kitchen or the end. They'll be like, what is the end about? You can't have that conversation. Well, it's about the Oedipus Complex. Or L.A. Woman. Backdoor Man. You know, Jim, Jim Morrison, um, he really bites these lyrics in the Backdoor Man. He's like, you know, you, you men eat your pork and beans. I've eaten more chicken than any man's ever seen. Oh, yeah, because he's a backdoor man. He's literally screaming it out. He's shouting it out in a bluesy type of style. And then there's the poetry. Got to understand, you know, Jim Morrison was a born poet. So he's up there reciting over, um, I want, you know, he's saying, I want to tell you about Texas radio and the big beat. And he goes into this interlude of poetry and the doors just love it. And then there is unknown soldier, unknown soldier. You know, the doors were making videos at that time. You think of uh, Break On Through to the other side, that video. And then also the fact that in Break On Through, they had to edit the She Get High. So it wasn't heard till lay years later. So we all grew up listening to She Get, She Get. And then, and then it was put in. And then the, the end, if you watch the classic album series where they're talking about making the Doors' first album, and you couldn't say the F word in songs back then. And they uncovered in the mix where you can hear Jim Morrison. They had to cover it up. He's going, fuck, 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 fuck. And yeah, you know, it really, uh, oh, I guess Siri heard me. Yeah. Yeah. The doors are such a oh, force of nature, force of life, you know, um, I want to also give some shout outs to Tom, Tom uh, Waits, Tom Waits, who like Jim Morrison is a December baby and an eccentric Tom Waits is this, this God, there's so much, you can't really describe him. 
like the doors he's this renaissance man he's this bluesy chameleon like actor performer songwriter blues performer and if any if i if i ever wanted to have a perfect duet I would love to see it. Uh, Jim Morrison and Tom Waits duke it out. And, you know, we always talk about these versus battles on YouTube, these live versus Patti LaBelle versus Gladys Knight. I would like, well, it's not going to happen because then we would have to, you know, resurrect the ghost of Jim Morrison. That's been done on camera. There's a photograph of it. Um, we could resurrect Jim Morrison and sit him next to Tom Waits battling it out you know it's going to be you know um uh what's a, a really good uh oh god's away on business versus light my fire wouldn't that be an interesting combo the doors when you're strange released in 2010 a document a documentary about the doors Music documentary. Tom DiCello. Tom DiCello. Producers John Brigg and no screenwriters, of course, because this is a document of The Doors from 1965 when they first formed, okay, to 1971 with the death of Jim Morrison. You got The Doors. Think of, think of those albums. They released in their lifetime, in his lifetime, six albums, okay? The Doors, Waiting for the Sun, Strange Days, Soft Parade, Morrison Hotel, and L.A. Woman. This documentary gives us so much. Those four doors. Yeah. The doors of, of perception have been cleansed. Dr. Seuss Film Podcast listeners. I'd like to thank Johnny Depp for narrating this film. An amazing film about a, a band that there there are just not enough words to encapsulate the feeling, the imagination. I used to have a black light poster of Jim Morrison on my wall and I would look at it at night. I just look at it and then I listen to the music and the music is just, ooh, it breezes, it burns, it breezes, it lives inside you. It's like a, a living plant. That's why the doors are a force of nature. In this documentary, When You're Strange, the story of the doors is truly far out. It's wide. It's vast. And when you watch it, you just want to go back and listen to those albums all day long. As always, unpleasant dreams. Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. You thought I forgot about you, huh? Well, because usually I... You know, like the Mandalorian episodes, I put these out at midnight, although that episode wasn't exactly out at midnight, maybe around 12.06, but I digress. Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, Documentary December. So, 
we're going to continue with an artist. This is this is a rarity. We're doing this is an artist that has already he's already been part of one of the documentaries during this month of December. And I mention him because he made news this week. Very interesting. You know, he's not getting any younger. Um, so I can understand where this is going. Bob Dylan recently sold his publishing catalog, supposedly for an amount of $300 million to Universal Publishing. Now, next year, Bob Dylan's going to be 80 years old, so it kind of makes sense. He's preparing for the future however he can. And so, because he's in the news, I figured, you know, and there are a lot of documentaries. Well, there's two prominent ones. There is, of course, Don't Look Back, D.A. Pennybaker, about Bob Dylan and his 1965 tour. And then there, of course, is No Direction Home. Bob Dylan, directed by Martin Scorsese, released July 21st, 2005. This is a long documentary. This is longer than Don't Look Back, okay? This, uh, what else can I say about Bob Dylan? What it focuses primarily is on the period of his arrival in New York in January of 1961, his retirement from touring following his motorcycle accident in July 1966. The period encapsulated encapsulates Dylan's rise to fame as a folk singer and songwriter and the controversy surrounding his move to a rock style of music. The title is taken, of course, from the 1965 single, like a rolling stone. Mm. This is a this is an amazing artist, and I figured you know, let's talk about him. He deserves a, a second spot on the documentary um, circuit on this Doctor Zeus Film Podcast documentary. December Robert Zimmerman, born. May, <laughs> let's get it right, kids. You know, the, he's going to be 80 next year, so we got to wish him a really good birthday. Born May 24th, 1941 in Duluth, Minnesota, Robert Allen Zimmerman, whom we covered previously this month with his landmark documentary by D.A. Pennybaker, Don't Look Back, which opens with... His video for Homesick Terranian, uh, Homesick Terranian, Subterranean, Homesick Blues. Say that five times fast. So, here we are. Bob Dylan again. No direction home. Let's go. I had ambitions to uh, set out and find, like an odyssey, going home somewhere. I I'm set, I'm set out to find uh, this home that, that I'd left a while back and I couldn't remember exactly where it was, but I was uh, on my way there. And uh, encountering what I encountered on the, on the way was how I envisioned it all. I, I didn't really have any ambition at all. I was born very far from where I'm supposed to be. That's true. 
That's very, very true. He said he said that in interviews too before. So it's like with Bob Dylan, here's the thing that I've learned about him. He's either putting you on or he's he's reeling it in, you know. Very interesting character. Because you know, with Bob Dylan, it's hard to say, are you talking to the real man? Or is this this is, you know, a lot of public people have a persona. And Bob Dylan, though, Bob Dylan has had many, many different shades and many different lifetimes. He probably is one of the most interesting artists of the 20th century, if you think about it, and beyond, because he continues. And um, he once told Joni Mitchell, this isn't in the documentary, I think Joni Joni likes to play the the media, too, as he says, you know, I, I haven't written a fresh song in years and she was like well where do you get them from oh i get them from the box like the computer does it there's a genius to bob dylan that is captured in this documentary and you learn like many like many poets what inspired his poetic poetic tongue was a girl you know a lot of poets it's either someone we fancy or it's another world that we fancy that inspires that poetic tongue or a song. With Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan just took it to the hilt. I mean, you think of his early poetry and you think of, you know, he looked up to Woody Guthrie. He looked up to all the folk and blues men for the day. But then the beat poets. Yeah. Oh, no music. No music. Oopsie. <laughs> Don't come after me. You're, it's now worth $300 million. I have no opinion about that. Well, why? Yeah. The Press. Bob Dylan versus The Press. Perfect song title. Said that you must be the ultimate beatnik. What do you think? Just, just, I won't tell anybody what you say. What do you think? Not your personal comment. Yeah, what do you think? I have no opinion about that. Well, why? Because I haven't heard you sing, actually. You've never heard me sing. Hmm. <laughs> and here you are sitting here and asking me all these questions. Well, you know? it's my job. Yeah, well... It's my job. Can you just suck your glasses for one second? Just put them in your mouth for one second. Do you agree that uh, you should be the leader of singers with a message? No, I don't know what that is. Don't you think your first records were much better than the ones you do now? Who said that? This one here. This <laughs> so, here. Ask him if he's American. Huh? Are you American? <laughs> I'm French. Well, that's why you probably think the first records are better. Why? Why do you sing? Why? Just because I feel like singing. Parce qu'il a envie de chanter, qu'il aime chanter. Do you have anything particularly special to express when you sing? No. No. 
And this documentary runs at three hours and 28 minutes. So it's, it's cut in two. And the first time I saw it, I think I saw it on PBS in 2005. And one half of it aired on one night and then the next half. And, you know, you, you, you get to see that moment at the Newport Folk Festival in 1965 when he raised hell and he played that electric guitar <laughs> and Pete Seeger just went ape shit. and Pete Seeger didn't usually go ape shit. you know he was he was a folk you know I, if I had a hammer you know <sighs> and Bob Dylan you know I think with Bob Dylan he either means to do something or he doesn't mean it's 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 that's why that there's that wonderful moment that I just played for you Bob Dylan versus the press. He still to this day is very weary of the press. You know, I would be too. I mean, they, you know, they like to stir things up. And what this documentary captures, though, is the is the aftermath after he went electric. Okay, and people are screaming Judas, you know, from the stage, from the rafters. And, you know, he's playing these halls that were not made for live music. And that's why I wanted to talk about this documentary. Because, you know, this is Documentary December. This was not really an easy choice because it was like, well, I don't want to talk about him again. Or I do because he's such an icon. You know, you don't fuck with Bob Dylan. You know, um, it's he's there. He's there. I mean... When my late professor asked me, and, and I wasn't offended by this, I was just kind of shocked because I'm, my late professor loved literature and he loved poetry and knew Allen Ginsberg. And, you know, I said, um, he one time said to me, that is one thing about your country I don't understand is Bob Dylan. And I said, hey, he is our troubadour. Okay. This man... If anyone ever represented, you know, you know, Shakespeare is is universal, but the British have Shakespeare. We have Bob Dylan, you know, um, Bob Dylan took his name from Dylan Thomas. I mean, you know, OK, you're going to go from Robert Zimmerman to Bob Dylan. All right. Hmm. There's so many moments in I mean, you get to see that. He, even though he didn't write House of the Rising Sun, is that he was the one who originally did the vocal, t- the, the vocal style that everyone copied, including the animals. I mean, it, when we all think of House of the Rising Sun, we think of the animals. But Bob Dylan, in terms of that vocal style, that approach, he's the one that everyone copies. Okay? My God. <laughs> Here, here's, here's a little taste of Bob Dylan's genius just with his own words I'm looking for a place that will collect clip bath and return my dog he's reading a sign outside this is part two of the documentary tobacco no direction home animals and birds bought or sold on commission I want a dog that's going to collect and clean my bath return my cigarette and and give tobacco to my animals and, and give my birds up, <laughs> up for commission I want, i'm looking for somebody to sell my dog collect my clip buy my animal and straighten out my bird i'm looking for a place to bathe my bird buy my dog collect my clip sell me cigarettes 
and commission my bath. I'm looking for a place that's going to collect my commission, sell my dog, burn my bird, and sell me to the cigarette. Going to bird my buy, collect my will, and bathe my commission. I'm looking for a place that's going to animal my soul, knit my return, bathe my foot, and collect my dog. Commission me to sell my animal to the bird to clip and buy my bath and return me back to the cigarette. And so... You know, as someone who liked to... He didn't just play with words, okay? Think think of Homesick, uh, homesick Subterranean Blues, okay? And how he's, he's, you know, piling those words up. And so that's a moment of Bob Dylan. I think he's having, he's having fun. He loves words, and he loves to just dig deep with them. I mean, you, you know, what's analyzed in this documentary, this is, this is taking place during the civil rights era. The 60s were a tumultuous time. I wasn't there, but there was a tumultuous time. And, you know, you got all these race riots and, and um, demonstrations. And what does Bob Dylan write to signify this moment? A hard rain's going to fall. It's raining tonight, so I thought, hey, a hard rain's going to fall. It's metaphoric. So when people say, well, did the rain really fall like that? It's metaphoric. Okay. That's the thing with Bob Dylan. You know, um, all these all these songs that he wrote are really analyzed with a microscope in no direction home. And that's a testament to Martin Scorsese. Martin, Martin Scorsese, who, I mean, if you're going to get anyone... To do a document on someone such as Bob Dylan. Oh my God. Yeah. If we can play this clip. Here we go. Hopefully he doesn't have any music. I really can't say the girls took a liking to me or not from playing around town. The first girl that ever took a liking to me, her name was Gloria Story. Gloria Story. I mean, that was her real name second girlfriend was named Echo. That's pretty strange. I've never met anybody named Echo. Yeah. And music is playing. But he talks about... I serenaded her underneath a ladder that went up to her window. And both, both these girls, by the way, Brad, brought out the poet in me. See? It's, it's about a girl. You know, you think of that Think of some of those songs that he wrote Okay To make you feel my love Um Uh What's another one? Oh, Queen Jane Approximately I love that song Um You know, um I, I always think of that movie The Dreamers Because that's the first time I heard that song Queen Jane Approximately or is it Queen Jade? Yeah. And then, you know, you think of those love songs that he wrote. I mean, those women, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they truly brought out the poet in him. You think of um, Lay, 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 and he's talking about his big brass bed. You know, um, what's another one? Yeah, he. I mean, he was writing love songs. He was writing love songs. But, you know, these, within a Bob Dylan, you know... <laughs> Context These songs I mean These songs are These songs are cra- cra- They're crazy And um, No direction home Ah Here it is So what happens is You know when uh, Before he went electric People People thought 
Bob Dylan was a prophet, okay? It's it's the truth. People thought that. And then he went electric and all shit broke loose. Don't boo me anymore. Don't boo me. God, they're booing. I can't stand it. <laughs> Oh my god, it's hard to get in tune when they're booing. Yeah, I can't get in tune at all when they're booing. I can't, I can't, uh, it, it, I can't uh, hear anything. I don't even want to get in tune. <laughs> when they yell in this weird, weird nasal tone from here. Oh, uh, Jesus, you know, I don't understand why they, how can they buy the tickets up so fast? I mean, you know, let's get that light off. So the paranoia is setting in. You know, you got to understand this is this was a new age of celebrity. You got the Beatles, you got Bob Dylan. Mm. And then of course you got Allen Ginsberg who inspired everybody. Oh, 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 it's music. Better particularly I'll know my song well before I start singing. Where all souls shall reflect it, or you know, stand on the mountain where everybody can hear. It's sort of this biblical prophecy. Poetry is words that are empowered that make your hair stand on it, that you recognize instantly as being some form of subjective truth that has an objective reality to it because somebody's realized it. Then you call it poetry later. Mm hmm. That's true. Um, Bob Dylan and Ginsburg knew each other so well and I wish there was a you know there's a really good documentary on the beat poets called The Source from 1999 I urge all of you to watch it um, this documentary on Bob Dylan though let, let, me, let me tell you something woo yeah yeah, there's a moment with him singing with Johnny Cash. I'm so lonesome, I could cry. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. I mean, this this documentary truly carries so much, um, you know, um, cojones when it comes. It, it won Martin Scorsese a Peabody Award for in 2005. Yeah just amazing what what a character what an icon and he you've got it in this documentary and of course without if, the, if there's no music in here let's see al cooper yeah who worked with bob dylan who wrote who did that famous Tom here we go me to a recording session and me being 21 years old and incredibly ambitious and a big Bob Dylan fan, I decided I was going to play on that session. There was another guitar player who sat down and was uh, warming up and just was playing far beyond my abilities. And he turned out to be Mike Bloomfield. I packed up my guitar and I went into the control room where I belonged. After the first couple of hours of the session, they moved the uh, organ player over to piano and uh uh and i said well here's another chance for me so i said to tom wilson why don't you let me play the organ i got a great part for this and uh tom wilson said oh man you don't play the organ you're a guitar player i said i got a really good part for this i can play it he said al and just then someone came and 
got him to take a phone call that came in for him. So he didn't say no. Like a Rolling Stone uh, remake, take one. What are you doing there? <laughs> At that point, he really could have just busted me and got me back in the control room. But he was a very gracious man. And so he let it go. And so I began to play. And the verses in the beginning, you hear me come in always an eighth note behind the band to make sure that I played the right chord. The band would go boom, boom, and I'd go like that. Boom, 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 like that. They started playing it back. After about a verse or two, Bob said to Tom Wilson, hey, turn the organ up. And Tom Wilson said to Bob, oh, man, that guy's not an organ player. He's just... And Bob said, I don't care. Turn the organ up. Oh, okay. Yeah, there we go. We don't... Just in the nick of time. That... that you Think of it. That famous moment. That kick. The snare drum kick. And then that organ just plumbing through. Uh, for like a Rolling Stone. If ever there was a song to define Bob Dylan... It's like Rolling Stone. I mean, yes, blowing in the wind. um, But that's, see, that's one of the many moments within this documentary. This is an epic documentary on Bob Dylan. Whoever's going to shoot me? Is there a shotgun in the house? How do you find that out, Albert? I just just found her in front of the house. Oh, Bob's office, and they say they're gonna shoot me. Yeah. Well, they do this often. <laughs> well, I don't mind being shot, man, but I don't big. I don't think being told about it. <laughs> oh man, I can't believe that. Don't worry, Mickey. I'll protect you. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Don't tell me that's the first too hard, man. I'm worried about getting shot. I'm not gonna push too hard. Yeah, you know. This was this was a hotbed time, you know. He goes electric, and hmm, shit hits the fan. Shit hits the fan. People were booing him. He was getting death threats. You had people saying, "Oh, he's changed from what he was," and you know. To have to bear the brunt of that and No Direction Home, this documentary by Martin Scorsese, truly captures this essence, this this moment in Bob Dylan's life that, I mean, I, Al Cooper was talking about, or is it Cooper, was talking about how they were going to go to Dallas to play where they just shot the president in and, and 1963. So it like I said it was a it was a hotbed time in terms of that you know this this differs from don't look back okay don't look back is different i mean it's fresh it this, don't look back is bob dylan that's his peak and what no direction home does is it goes and starts from the beginning and here you have bob dylan in modern day you know he'd just written the book chronicles about his life and when he first came to new york city and then you know the coffee houses and you know those one-nighters and and becoming this folk 
icon getting signed to Columbia Records. He's still with Columbia Records to this day. That's that's a career right there. Is that you're still with um you know he's a he's an iconoclast and if I can find it there, there's a lot going on No Direction Home And by the way You can watch it on Netflix It's available on Netflix to watch You can watch it on Apple Music Or Apple Films um, I, I would love to play Ballad of a Thin Man But I, I know I would get in trouble And uh, I had ambitions to uh, Set out and find Yeah and that's interesting If any of you have ever studied The Odyssey and Homer so Bob Dylan sees himself as Homer And his odyssey is to get to New York That's his odyssey He's sticking to it Oh my god mm. Yeah Okay No, no You know, this, this uh, There's a lot going on Like I said In a perfect world we could play the songs in a perfect world, but unfortunately, this is not a perfect world. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is, uh, is this? No. It's, it's, it's interesting how the songs are, you know, they're wrapped up in it. Ah, here we go. What do you think of this? He said, oh, that's pretty fucking good. You know, so, so, you know Bunch of years from now, all these people, all these assholes are going to be writing about all this shit I write. I don't know where the fuck it comes from. I don't know what the fuck it's about. And they're going to write about what it's about. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great song. That's a great. And that's Joan Baez impersonating Bob Dylan. Joan Baez was Bob Dylan's great muse. Mm. Um, I gotta, I gotta give it to Martin Scorsese for this. You know, there, there's a lot of, you know, what Scorsese loves to do the grimy, grippy, grimy, and with no direction home, he's hit it right there. He's hit it, he's hit it out of the ballpark, and you know, you learn so much more with no direction home through this documentary. Exciting scene back at the hotel. This is Allen Ginsberg. Dylan was down the hall with the Beatles. Then a message came that I was supposed to come in there. So I came into the room and everybody was sitting there, totally stone cold, silent, frozen, paranoid. Not quite knowing my place, knowing Bob, I sat down on the side of his armchair. John Lennon said snidely, Why don't you sit a little closer? I suddenly realized they were just so naive. They were young. So I actually I fell over laughing onto John's lap, looking up at him and asked him, do you ever read William Blake? He said, never heard of him. And his wife said, oh, John, stop lying. Then everybody began laughing. And then the scene sort of broke up. Uh, you know, the, the ice was broken. It struck me as funny that these guys at the summit of power, spiritual power, musical power, world fame 65 may june were um, so unsure of their minds and speech yeah and that's uh when it takes someone like alan ginsburg to dip that in there oh my god mm. 
Yeah. See, they were all they were all getting together, and that's the beauty of No Direction Home is it captures that it captures moments like that. If I can, what is this? Okay, I'm looking at other clips. Um, it 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 is a powerful documentary, and, and it talks about. You know, the motorcycle crash. You don't need my autograph. You needed it, I'd give it to you. Just give it your autograph, yeah. What's wrong with him today, eh? What's wrong with him today? See the kind of shit they're throwing at him? And I can understand why he would want to retreat, why he, he didn't trust people anymore. And re- basically, re- um, um, Went out to Woodstock, New York and lived a life and raised a family for a while. Okay. Because you know, Bob Dylan's one of those restless spirits. He can't just stay home daddy. You know, no, no, no. Bob Dylan's got to go out on the road. Okay. He's got sea legs. He's got to go out on the road. That it's just within him. It's that poet, but it's that musician, that traveling troubadour, you know. And No Direction Home covers a long... I mean, that's why it's three hours and 28 minutes long. You got to have a... You got to plan a whole day to watch No Direction Home. It is long, but it's worth it. You learn so much more about Bob Dylan through Martin Scorsese's lens. I mean, Martin Scorsese is a really great film historian and preservationist and the fact that he would he he, you know he recognizes the iconoclastic you know moment of bob dylan and everything that bob dylan is is and does represents man i can't make it tonight i don't know how to cover up for it it's something i never figured out and that's toward the end of the documentary and music's playing and we can't we can't play it because copyright that 300 million dollars bob dylan really does make me proud because i'm going to tell you something like i said at the beginning of the show i understand why he did that why he did that deal because like i said he's going to be 80 next year and bob dylan is aware of his own mortality and you know he could live another 10 15 20 years okay he's bob dylan there's always something magical to bob dylan don't don't you get that twisted now don't forget it Unlike many other artists who came out of the 20th century, Bob and Bob Dylan, you know, they mentioned this in the documentary, basically introduced the Beatles to pot. Okay. So, and if you've ever heard the album Revolver, there's a song in there called Dr. Robert. Who do you think that's about? Dr. Robert, Robert Zimmerman. Yeah. You know, or the fact that, um, you know, uh, popular bands were doing, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me, you know, because they had the nice voice and Bob did and Bob had the troubadour voice. I wanted to cover all of this and encapsulate it 
within the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, this documentary December. This idea also came out of talking to uh, Jason Almy of Shit Happens When You Party Naked, saying he said, you know, you know music. Try to combine all of them. As he's rocking back and forth, and this is toward the end of the documentary, you see a Bob Dylan who is exhausted, who's obviously using drugs, but we're not discussing that. That's besides the point, is that he's using drugs. What it is, is that's what fame does, okay? Especially someone as prolific and iconoclastic as Bob Dylan. The things that he wrote, you know, um, Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, Blowing in the Wind. The answer, my friends, you know, come on. Um, Like a Rolling Stone, uh, Maggie's Farm, oh my god, Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. One of my favorites is, and they play this in the documentary, is um, You've Got a Lot of Nerve, You Say You Are My Friend. And it just goes on and on. But And then there's Ballad of the Thin Man. Al Cooper Cooper played on Ballad of the Thin Man, which is such an epic piece of music from Bob Dylan. And, And, you know... You think, okay, Bob Dylan and Paul Simon and Joni Mitchell and the Beatles were all playing with these words. I mean, you know, all, everyone else was playing with Sonic. And Bob Dylan was like, no, no, I'm going to play with these verses because, you know, and if you listen to home, Subterranean Homesick Blues, he's rapping in a way, you know, there's a jive, there's a style of hip hop to it. And, you know, that's, like I said, that's why I do these documentaries. And that's why Bob Dylan, whenever I'm going to talk about him, it's very important. But I got to give a big shout out to Jason Almy if shit happens when you party naked and Christina Almy. Such great, a great support. You know, um, they do an amazing podcast. Shit happens when you party naked. But for Jason to say to me, you know, you know a lot about music. You should incorporate it. And I thought that's where I got the idea for documentary December music documentaries only. And so we're going to continue them. And today we talked about No Direction Home, Bob Dylan, directed by Martin Scorsese. Three hours and 28 minutes. You better get ready. Don't even bother with the popcorn because you need to be able to hear this movie. Oh, my God. Uh The documentary describing the 1960 New York folk scene served as the inspiration to... Okay. Oh, okay. To Justin Timberlake for his part in the Coen Brothers-related drama Inside Lewin Davis. Scorsese would make a second documentary on Bob Dylan 14 years later, Rolling Thunder, Revenue, a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese. This chronicling his 1975 Rolling Thunder Revenue concert tour. Mm, Maybe we'll talk about that. So, to Bob Dylan, thank you. And thank you for, I mean, the fact that at 79 years old, you made the news again, not just for a hit album, but the fact that you 
you're preparing for the future and we're all aware of that and you that you report to the chief commander as you call it that's why when covid lifts okay when everyone's been inoculated who's gonna have a tour first it's gonna be bob dylan because bob dylan that is in his blood he's gotta work he's not just gonna oh you know i'm just gonna sit back and tend to the grass no 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 he doesn't do that shit bob dylan has to work and now he can just work i mean he can have fun i mean you think of it he he has sold his publishing okay he's preparing for something and so i urge all of you go to netflix you can watch no direction home directed by martin scorsese released in 2005 bob dylan this is bob dylan at a moment in his life okay you gotta understand he's just chronicled his life he's in his 60s and is fully aware of the life that he led and doesn't seem i mean like i said it's keeping up appearances to some um doesn't seem embarrassed or bothered like most artists uh, looking back on his career how he got to where he got to you know and for him to say you know well it's like homer's odyssey he sees himself as the forefront of that as you can and then uh, the name you know when people would ask him why why did you name yourself bob dylan well you can call you well it's land of the free you can call yourself anything you want to here yeah so that bob dylan is a really great magician magician he's a magician he's magical his music is magical and also how he sees the world okay because he's seeing something that we don't know so with this news of 300 million dollars supposedly for for his publishing okay i thought it was fitting to talk about no direction home because now after this he he has put a pin in it okay after this moment there's no direction home there's no going back and we can reference his first documentary in the 1960s by da penny baker don't look back bob dylan doesn't have to look back now at 300 million dollars okay so i like i said before i i'm a big bob dylan fan i'm not just a fan i mean i i understand it you listen to the songs and you listen to other people do them but at the heart of it is the words you know there are certain songs that people cover and you can just tell that's a bob dylan song just by the cadence just by how he wrote it out you know i mean when people if anyone were to cover lovesick you know you know that's bob dylan like rolling stone i mean even Jimi hendrix covered it in the 60s Jimi hendrix famously covered um all along the watchtower and made it into something sonic and something um ambit you know ambitious and bob dylan liked that you know to have someone take his song to the ultimate stratosphere you know that hendrix was able to do and that's why i've said you know musicians in the 60s it was about that sonic boom with bob dylan it's about the verse it's always about the verse it's always about the lyric how's he gonna cut you in the with this lyric how is he gonna fuck you up with that lyric it's almost like on the li- along the lines of a gangster rapper and i know some of you would laugh and say you're comparing bob dylan to a gangster rapper 
here's the thing. There is a fine line between hip hop and Bob Dylan and Bob Dylan knows that. Okay. And the, the early troubadours knew that. So yeah, I, I recommend it. No direction home. Bob Dylan directed by Martin Scorsese as always unpleasant dreams. And remember like a rolling stone.